Oh, here we are again for another week in another new episode of People Are Wild, the podcast with lots of pop culture references mixed with medical topics, or something like that. Medutainment Mondays. Except in the summer, it hasn't always been consistent on Mondays. And in the summer, I'm doing a little bit shorter episodes, so thank you again for sticking with my little change in format, at least for a season. So I'm Kim. I'm your friendly neighborhood ER nurse of a host, and this week, I'm somewhat bummed that The Bachelorette is winding down. I am, which is bizarre, because this season of the show was not really that enthralling to me. But I actually had read this really great book about the obsession that comes along with being a fan of The Bachelor and being part of The Bachelor Nation, if you will. In fact, the name of the book is Bachelor Nation by Amy Kaufman. And before you start thinking that this is going to turn into a book review instead of a medical podcast... Do not worry, it's not. But in the book, it does mention how reality TV really got a foothold into our lives and how it changed in terms of how we have shows today. And the first thing it talks about, obviously, is the origins of reality TV and how The Bachelor was actually made and how it came to really get into this mainstream that we see it is today. And if you think about it, The Bachelor started off in 2002. Then over 16 years later, it's still around and it has the offshoots that are The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise, and it's always trying to keep things fresh and new. Even the proposal was made by the same people who did The Bachelor. So again, it's just trying to kind of reinvigorate, reinvent itself every few years, and for some reason it really works. So the book is really a great read if you're really into the weirdness that is reality TV and how it got popular, like I am. I am definitely all about that. But while reality Reality TV, for the most part, is fabricated storylines, spoiler alert, with its heroes and villains, real life can sometimes seem as though it's fabricated as well. So that's why I've actually lit my LaToya Jackson prayer candle, bless her heart, and I have listened to the electric slide on a loop repeat for about an hour. What can I say? I love me a summer wedding. So I'm ready if you're ready to talk about how people are wild. Now, a few years back, a middle-aged man came into the ER after being attacked with what he had described as a cattle prod during a robbery. He described sparks being emitted from the device, which was deliberately applied to his right hand as he tried to defend himself. Upon assessment, a rather nasty electrical burn was apparent on his right hand, along with massive swelling to the hand. About 10 days later, at his checkup, the swelling had gone down, and bruising was still apparent, but not as bad as it once was. Also of note was now the actual points from the prod were observable on the hand. And within a month's time, the injury was actually fully resolved and the patient resumed normal activities of daily life. But his story on what actually happened didn't necessarily make sense. So this week, we're going to go a little bit into the electrifying world that is devices that deliberately dole out electric shocks. That's right. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about cattle prods, shock batons, and stun guns, because why the hell not? Now, starting off with a stun gun, this device was developed in the United States in 1979. And if you aren't familiar with it, it's a handheld battery-operated device. And much like an STD, it goes by a variety of different names, such as Lightning Strike and Cosmic Defender, the latter of which almost sounds like a roller derby name that I may or may not be writing down to use in the future. It's similar in design to cattle prods, with two electrodes approximately 5 centimeters apart, and it is designed to be pressed against the victim's skin, and an electric shock is administered when the switch is pressed. 
A variety of warning devices are incorporated into some models, including two further electrodes placed approximately two centimeters apart and facing together. This causes the visible arcing, light, and the audible warning to would-be assailants. And I think we all are familiar with that sort of sound. The one that says, stand down or else you're about to see some thunder and lightning. You know, this sound. Yeah, that sound that says, back off, mofo, some things are about to go down. Now, in some models, the electrodes are sharp and designed to penetrate the skin, which slides us over into the land of the taser, the Thomas A. Swift's electric rifle. Seriously, that's what taser stands for. I had no idea that's what it stood for until I did the research on this show, and now I keep trying to casually drop that into a lot of conversations, and it's been a lot of awkward transitions. But you can definitely win a trivia night because of that fact. And if you do, I want at least 10% of the prize you receive. It's the least you could do. Or maybe just do a shout out on social media. Yeah, I'd be fine with that too. Anyways, we see the taser in the news a lot when it comes to specifically law enforcement. And the taser is a device that houses cassettes containing two darts with barbed hooks at one end and a spool of fine wire connecting them to the device. When the trigger is pressed, the darts are fired up to a distance of 15 feet and are designed to embed into the clothing or the skin. Pressing on the device activates the current. This current causes the nerves to be overly stimulated all at once, and this can cause involuntary muscle cramping, muscle spasms, and or muscle contractions. Hence why when people get tased, they can collapse and have that look on their face that I equate with what must be what it feels like to have a charley horse, but it happens throughout your entire body all at once. Now, this current is effective through up to five centimeters of clothing, and after the victim has been restrained, the wires have to be cut, and here's where we come in via ER staff in that patients have to be taken to the hospital for the darts to be removed and for that person to then be medically evaluated and cleared to be released into custody. So I have actually seen my fair share of tased bros and sometimes, well, those workup and assessments are some of the quickest that I've ever done in order to get those people medically cleared and on their way to jail. Either way, I've seen taser darts and those suckers are no joke. One time we actually had a patient who was already being assessed for another medical issue who started to escalate his behavior, threaten staff, swing at people, and the police actually had to intervene. And so they tased the patient as he was making a run at the staff. Now the patient dropped to the floor and we promptly put them on a stretcher, put him in another room that had equipment that we needed to monitor his vitals. And within a few hours, the patient was medically cleared and was immediately handcuffed and escorted to an awaiting police escort to jail. But those darts that discharged from the taser, when they strike their target, they take a good hold of the target. And when that electrical current is passed through, this big beast of a man dropped like a sack of potatoes or something like that. Anyways, it was a hard and fast drop. And thankfully, he didn't hit anything like his head on the way down. Now, if you've ever hooked yourself on a fishing lure, taser darts are a little bit more intense, but somewhat similar. One other feature on the taser is that it's possible to remove cassettes from the taser and insert extendable 12-inch electrodes, thus allowing it to be used as a stun gun. Now, let me briefly touch on electric batons and cattle prods before circling back around to stun guns and tasers. In the case of an electric shock baton, 
I don't think I've ever seen it used except for in movies by police for crowd control. And then I guess it probably is more realistically, quote unquote, used for home security and personal defense because that's all a quick Google search yielded me in terms of practical usage. If I delved too far into that, I think I got into the weird land of Google. Anyways, I'm sure there are a variety of other adult uses for it, but that's not really the point of this digression. What might be the point of this digression is that an electric shock baton looks similar to a police baton, but with two stud electrodes at one end. And it's designed to be pressed against the skin, but it's not designed to incapacitate like a stun gun or a taser is. It is supposed to encourage the offender to move, move along. And the same principle goes with somewhat of the same principle, I guess I should say, goes along with a cattle prod. It's a bigger type of mofo, and it's not able to be easily used or concealed if you're trying to use it against another human. Cattle prods are all about coaxing animals, and in some cases, it can cause immobilization or even anesthesia of cattle by an electrical means. In some countries, the cattle prods are regulated so as not to cause animals that whole immobilization and anesthesia business, which is true in the UK. So again, going back to before, that patient who said that he was assaulted with a cattle prod? We might need to page Mori Povich because I need some lie detector results to be revealed. Circling back though to stun guns and tasers, Here's a breakdown of what happens when it comes into contact with a person. You see, a stun gun can produce a peak of 50,000 volts when it's discharged in a series of short duration high peak pulses between 10 and 15 per second. Now, batons and prods deliver a regular alternating current with peak voltages very much lower at around 200 volts. Okay, so tasers deliver a big shock in small doses. Cattle prods and batons deliver a small shock over a long period of time. But what happens in the body when that voltage enters into a person? So the effects of the currents depend on the resistance of the skin, which in turn depends on pressure of contact, whether the skin is attacked, and if the skin is wet. Electrical shocks aren't just localized to the area where the device is applied at least not in the case of a stun gun. So our body's neurological and cardiovascular systems propel this current throughout the whole entire body. A discharge of just half a second will repel someone. A whole sort of, that's my purse, I don't know you situation where you would have to cue some 41 with ludicrous because it's time to get back, you don't know me like that. Now a discharge of one to two seconds will cause muscle spasms and muscle contractions, thus making a person fall and collapse. A discharge of three to five seconds will leave a person unable to function for up to 15 minutes. Stiffness and pain in the muscles at the site of the actual contact point are common after the paralysis has worked itself out. So sometimes you'll hear stories come out that raise the concern that stun guns and taser-like devices can induce fatal heart rhythms, something we call a ventricular fibrillation. And that's a whole mess of a rhythm that needs immediate interventions in order to save someone's life because the heart is not working. But before you start thinking that one shock from a stun gun is going to render you a murderer when you are just trying to defend yourself, studies have shown that the energy delivered to the body by one shock from a stun gun is below the threshold for inducing a lethal heart rhythm. However, the effect of repeated shocks or application of the device directly over the heart is not known at this time. I don't think anybody signs up to be in that trial group. 
just going out on a limb. Sudden deaths have been reported with taser use, but although these were thought to be cardiac in origin, drug intoxication was felt to be the bigger cause. A lot of times, tasers are deployed in order to de-escalate a situation with somebody who might be in an altered mental state due to drug intoxication or alcohol intoxication or a mix of two. Sometimes when these people unfortunately die after a taser has been used on them, it's found out later that the concoction inside their body mixed with electrical impulses led to this fatal outcome. Now, in addition, there is a risk that a person in contact with the person receiving the shock will also receive a potentially incapacitating shock. So don't hold on to your homies if they're about to be tased, bro. Contrast this with batons and cattle prods. Those devices are limited in their current discharge to the area between the electrodes, in that it is a localized area that is impacted by the electrical current, and it causes pain in that region specifically. So the person in the first bit that man I talked about in the beginning, after all is said and done, probably didn't have a cattle prod used against him, but instead, more than likely, had a stun gun that got him briefly, but enough to cause a localized electrical burn to his hand. Now, more recently, a nurse, the ER, and a stun gun were acquainted in April of this year in Chattanooga, and it's a bit of an interesting case. A registered nurse at Erlanger was booked into jail and charged with assault on police after fighting with officers inside the hospital emergency room at Erlanger Hospital. Police responded to the hospital at 9.30 p.m., after a report of an assault, and were told by staff there that Roger Davis, a 42-year-old man, was causing problems for the staff while they were taking care of his mother in the emergency room. Mr. Davis was asked by the staff and the hospital's vice president to leave, but he refused, according to court documents. Mr. Davis was in the lobby speaking loudly about his disagreement with hospital staff when officers arrived, but when they asked him to keep it down, he said he was speaking with his father and would continue. Officers then told him he would be asked to leave if he didn't comply, and he responded by saying, quote, then do it. Now, after telling Mr. Davis to leave multiple times, an officer placed a hand on his arm, at which point Mr. Davis became combative. He began swinging his arms and punched an officer in the face while ignoring commands to stop resisting. The two officers couldn't take Davis to the ground, so one placed a stun gun against his chest and told him three times that he would be stunned if he didn't stop resisting. Mr. Davis then said, go ahead. So the officer did just that and stunned him. Mr. Davis fell directly to the ground but refused to place his hands behind his back until one of the officers said he would be stunned again if he didn't comply. He then placed his arms behind his back and officers took him into custody. Since he was already at the hospital, convenient enough, he was medically cleared at Erlanger and Mr. Davis was transported to jail where he was booked on charges of disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, and two counts of assault on police. He recently had a court date on May 2nd. The hospital did come out and say that they wanted to thank their associates, which is always a fancy word for their employees, but you're an associate. 
you're not an employee. Everyone's on the same level. That's what they tell you in orientation. Anyways, the hospital came out and thanked their staff, their security, and the Chattanooga Police Department for containing the situation that had occurred on that Thursday night and ensuring the safety of their patients, visitors, and staff. Now, because of the diligence of the police department, patient care in the emergency room was in no way impacted as a result of this isolated incident. Lawyers speak all around. The curious thing is that there are three sides to every story, right? There's side A, side B, and the truth. So, a witness who recorded video of the incident, bless smartphones? I don't know. Are they a help or are they a hindrance? That's a different topic for a different time. But there is a recorded video of the incident. And in it, it shows that the police officer who used the taser provoked Mr. Davis, at least according to witness Ethan Raymond. He said that Mr. Davis was trying to leave, but the officer kept stopping him, almost as if she wanted to pick a fight. Now, the witness had said that Mr. Davis had told the police that he had a heart condition when the officer pulled out the taser, and they continued to shock him anyway. The witness said that the officer was way out of line. He just knew when he saw the cop that was supposed to defuse it, she was becoming an aggressor that was escalating things. I don't know what is going to become of this case, and like I said... There are so many different sides to this story. But the thing about it is that law enforcement protects us. They're the people that protect our communities. And in the ER specifically, they help to protect us as staff sometimes by helping us with patients that are escalating to a behavior that is dangerous for the patient, dangerous for providers, dangerous for everybody involved. I cannot sing the praises enough of law enforcement for being selfless and serving their communities. So whatever happens in Chattanooga, it is one to watch. And that's your shortened summer episode about stun guns. But before I sign off and run a kick-ass promo courtesy of Augie Peterson, hang in there until the very end of this episode because this whole entire thing was inspired by me recently rediscovering the beautiful reality show that was Armed and Famous. Oh, you don't remember it? Let me hit that F5 button and refresh your memory. Early in 2007, this series followed five celebrities as they trained to become reserve officers for the Muncie Police Department in Muncie, Indiana, followed by graduation. After that, the celebrities went on patrol with the same training officers who traditionally ride with new officers. Now, the series starred celebrities such as Eric Estrada, LaToya Jackson, Jack Osborne, Trish Stratus, and Jason Acuna, aka Wee Man on Jackass. All of these celebrities did participate and finish the program, and on December 5th of 2006, ah, uh, what a young, impressionable year that was, these celebrities were sworn in as reserve officers. Now, in one episode, the celebrities had to be tased, and you get to hear LaToya Jackson just at the very end. She, She's just, I don't even know. You've just got to experience it for yourself. So have fun this week believe in the good, look out for each other, and practice random acts of kindness, and I will see you next time. Hey folks, how's it going? My name is Augie, and I host a podcast called The Short Stories of Augie Peterson. Once upon a time, I had two blogs. Then one day, I started listening to podcasts. They seemed like a lot of fun and would combine the thing I was always afraid to share with the world, my writing, with the thing I had no choice but to share with the world, my theater background. 
So I decided to combine them into a podcast for those millennials that don't have time to read two blogs. I read the original horror stories I write on Tuesdays and review really terrible horror movies with massive amounts of sass on Thursdays. On the first Saturday of each month, I tell my listeners about five new indie artists that I have interviewed that I think they should know about. So if you like dorks, horror, and indie artists, this is the podcast for you. Check out the short stories of Augie Peterson wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, check out augiepeterson.wordpress.com. Toodaloo! Uh, the tasers are uh, an integral part of what we do, and we thought you ought to see them. The rules governing the taser are that you cannot possess one in the state of Indiana unless you have been tasered yourself. That was basically it. So we had to just get fried. We can do this one or two ways. We can actually get shot with the probes, or we can get hooked up with an alligator clip. I'm gonna hook him up. Do it! Yeah, I... <laughs> 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 you know, one of my testicles has enlarged from getting zapped by a taser. Alright, ready? Good. Okay, okay, good, 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 good. Good, Okay? Tell me Ready? Yes, go for it. Armed and Famous, a new reality series coming Wednesday, January 10th to...